0: Reading of the scriptures today is uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3 to 8. And the Lord is honored when we stand and read his word. And this is what God's word said. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than his ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we were many members, and in the members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individual members one Another having gift that differs according to the according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service and our serving, and the one who teaches and his teaching, the one who exhorts and his exhortation, the one who contributes. In generosity. The one who leads with zeal, The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You may sit now. Let's praise the Lord for his amazing word, for his sweet word. Let's praise the Lord with everything that we have, with all our being. Listen to what? Psalm 111 says in the first few verses, praise, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart and the company of the right, and the congregation right here. And the same thing is in Psalm 112, 113, 117. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all nations. Praise the Lord and his word as we meditate in his word. So let's treasure the word of God every time that we read it, every time that we listen. As Pastor mentioned, uh, we should delight in the word. We should meditate in the word the whole year round, every day, every moment of our life. So let's bow our head for a moment of prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, indeed, Father, we praise you, Father. As we've been reading Romans, Lord, we see that the chapter of Roman, the, the this chapter, 12th and up, Father, uh, is pointing us to surrender our bodies as a living sacrifice, honoring and and pleasing to you, Heavenly Father. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that as we learn every day to walk, Lord, uh, in in a way that is uh, pleasing to you, Father, that you will be with us, Father. We cannot do this uh, on our own. Lord, when we tend to just... uh, Grab the little bit that we have, and we try to mold it to our own life. Father, we 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 come out with a small God, small God that doesn't have the strength to empower us to come to church, to empower us to be in prayer, to not empower us to to do the things that you have commanded us, Father. So help us, Lord, to to receive the gospel, Father, and and. Uh, Apply it to our daily life, our daily work with you, Father. Father, but we need your strength. We need your Holy Spirit, Father. We need you to guide us, Father. We need you to strengthen us. Heavenly Father, as Pastor come to the pulpit, Father, we uh, pray, Father, that, that the, the the Holy Spirit will be abiding in his heart, that you will give him the words to speak, and Father that the message that it will come through his uh Uh, teaching, Father, will be a treasure to us, Father. And it will guide us and mold us as the way uh, that will be pleasing to you, Heavenly Father. Bless this church, Father. Bless everyone that is watching, Father. Uh, Let them know, Father, you are a a living God. And, uh, Father, you are there in the darkest time and in the beautiful and wonderful times that we, like this uh, Christmas uh, we know, Father, what come, and, and Lord, and we know that He's a Savior, and He's a Lord, and is God, and is also among us, Heavenly Father. So, gracious God, thank you for everything that you do for us. Bless this church again. Amen.
1: So, <clears throat> if you uh, have been memorizing the scripture passages uh, with us, then you know that we are uh, on Romans 8, verses 32 to 34. Now, I'm not going to look, but if you do not know those verses, you might want to pull out your Bibles and, uh, and look those verses up. So that's Romans chapter 8, verses 32 to 34. If you are up with your memory verses, then we're going to try to say, Uh, this together. Um, So, uh, we're in Romans chapter 8, verses 32 to 34. And uh, if, like I said, if you have not memorized them, well, this is the beginning for you to memorize them this week because you only have one more week on this passage here. So, are we ready? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus, who... Yeah, Christ Jesus is the one who died, uh, who was, uh, and not only that, who was raised and uh, who is at the right hand of God and uh, who indeed intercedes for us. I'm still learning it, as you can see, but I think that was fairly right, wasn't it? Okay, good. All right, so um, I don't know how you guys do your uh, daily devotions as a family, um, but uh, when we do them, Uh, one of our family members has to quote from verse 1 to the verses that we're at, and we do that all month long. So by the time we get to the end of the month, we uh, hopefully have those uh, new verses memorized. And that brings us to our message for today. Foundations. How many of you, when you walked into this building, or when you walk into your own building, the, your, you know, your home, uh, or you walk into a, a store of some kind or an office space, how many of you go, before I walk in here, I wonder how solid this foundation is. I wonder if this building is going to stay up while I'm in it. I taught for a few semesters uh, at the King's, Uh, college in the Empire State Building. And you know what? Not once in those times that I walked into that Empire State Building did I ever say, I wonder if the foundation is solid enough to hold up this gigantic building. The reason we don't is foundations, foundations are not generally designed to be thought about or even looked upon, unless you're a maintenance individual, except in the book of Romans. We have spent 12 months delving into the details of the foundation of our Christian faith as recorded in in Romans chapter 1 through 11. We went deep down into the muck and the mire of sin. The sin in every human heart that we call total depravity, the rebellion against god and then we watched as god brought the powerful engines of the gospel of jesus christ to dig into that muck and that mire and clear out that sinful mud of our lives so that we could have a right relationship with god we could have peace with god that the scripture calls justification And then we saw the the structure of the the foundation being strengthened and and the the walls of our lives going up as we learned about sanctification, the process of God transforming our hearts and changing our lives so that we could begin to live for the glory of God. And then came the, 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 the building of the the, the actual rooms that you're going to live in, the, the, the space that brought forth, the beauty of God preparing that building for eternal habitation known as glorification. And that's what we've been doing. We've been seeing how this all fits together and, and works together so that God has a building, a temple in which to dwell, that temple which He calls the church. And now we come to chapter 12. The leases for that great and mighty building called the church have been signed, sealed, and delivered to the elect, to those that God has called to himself, to those upon whom his favor rests, as the angels told the shepherds, those who have believed upon Jesus Christ. Those who have confessed that faith through baptism. And we are ready to move into this grand building to come together. Leases signed that show us that we desire to live in Christ. To be in Him who is our hope and our life. But only those who have experienced the spiritual foundations that we've been talking about, only those individuals need to apply. There are no squatters in God's building. There are none who would dare to come in by any other way than through the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit will root out of His Church, He will root out those who attempt to come in through any other means than through the door. The door of the sheepfold that the Bible says is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ coming through Him, through the cross, and into eternal life. And your contract, your lease, your mission, should you choose to accept it, No, not if you choose to accept it. This is a mission impossible. But you do not have a choice as to whether you accept it or not. Your reasonable and your spiritual mission, we learned last week, is to present your bodies as a sacrifice to God as you wrestle against the rulers and the princes of darkness against the authority and the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You know the weapons that we have. We have studied those over the past 12 months. We have looked at what God has provided and what He has done for us in Romans 1 to 11. And now it's time for us to get to work. That's what chapter 12 through chapter 16 is all about. How do we live out this faith. How do we fight the good fight? The foundational sessions are over. The real life experience begun. So strap on your armor, tighten down your shield, hoist your sword, and let's get down to the business of the kingdom of God, of serving Him, working in His mission. Or as our theme describes from this passage this morning, To present yourself as a sacrifice to God means members do ministry as mission. Members do ministry as mission. That's what this text that we're looking at, this is not just a text that kind of says, okay, you know, here's some things that you're supposed to do in your Christian life. No, this is a moving out of how do you present your bodies as a living sacrifice unto God based upon the foundation that's been laid in those first 11 chapters of Romans. How do you live this out? Well, it begins with understanding that we are members one of another. We are part of the body of Christ, that God has brought us into a family so that we can do ministry as those members together, on mission for God. Hillary Hillary Clinton said it takes a village to raise a child. She was wrong. It takes a church. It takes a church with living sacrifices to defeat the evil village of our culture and save a child. Let me say that again. It takes a church filled with living sacrifices to defeat the evil village of the culture to save our children and to save the lives of those around us. So are you ready? Are you ready to leave the study and practice your faith? That's what Paul is asking us to do in this passage this morning. Are you ready to sacrifice yourself for the sake of the kingdom of God? If you are, then notice that to sacrifice yourself, you must listen to Paul's imperatives. An imperative, a command. Paul starts these final chapters about the Christian faith and how you live that out, he starts out as a field commander, speaking to those that he's going to direct into the battle, and he's giving commands, he's barking orders to young cadets, we see it in verse 3. He says, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with Sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Some of you think that you are God's gift to the church. You're not. Just in case you thought you were, you're not. You are nothing without Christ and without the Holy Spirit at work in you. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit working the truth that we saw in chapters 1 through 11, working that out in your life, then you would have been destroyed by the enemy the moment you stuck your head out of the spiritual foxhole. He would have destroyed you. Like those evil spirits did the seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts. When they said, we command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches And those seven sons of Sceva went running out of that building naked because they were attacked by that demon-possessed individual. They had no power. Why? Because they did not have the foundation in Jesus Christ. And some of us would be destroyed by that evil power if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit. But then the rest of you who say... (laughs) you Are kidding? I, I certainly don't see myself as, as, as being God's gift to anything. I have a struggle just to, to make it day by day. Well, to you, I say, stop cowering in that foxhole. Practice what you've learned from Christ. You know, we're all going to die one day, right? How about if we die fighting? Let's go down as soldiers of the cross. And so, notice that sacrificing Christians... Do not think more highly of yourself. Notice this doesn't say, don't think highly. It does say, don't think highly of yourself. Of yourself. Let's look at verse 3 again. It says, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Now that is what is called an imperative. An imperative is a command. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Some of you think that you've got it down. You know all the Reformation doctrines. You can say the five solas. You have all of those things and you have it all right down. But if you have those doctrines down so well, then why did you fall into sin so much this past week? Did you fall into pornography? Did you lose your temper at work or at home? Did you fail to get up in the morning and spend some time before the Lord in prayer and the study of his word? We found out this week that Ravi Zacharias, international Christian apologist, who died earlier this year, been charged with and found guilty of years of sexual misconduct. If that is true of him, who do you think you are that you can stand? A few years ago, I took the Citizens Police Academy course, a 16-week course of what the the police go through in their training. And one week, we got to go to the shooting range. Now, I've been around guns all my life, so I felt pretty calm about that. Didn't excite me too much. They divided us into teams, and I happened to be fortunate in being selected to be on the last team. So I got to watch what everybody else you know, went through and they would, they have this huge 3D screen and different scenes come onto that screen and each team had to deal with whatever the issue was at faced. So, I got to watch six other teams go before it was our turn, my team's turn to go. So I was feeling fairly comfortable. I, I felt comfortable on the weapons. I felt comfortable that I'd seen enough scenarios. So here we are, and it's our turn to, uh, to come. And, and so the, uh, this woman comes charging out of this building. She's got this great big knife in her hand, and she's charging at us. And so we all whip out our guns, and we're all like, ma'am, stop, drop that knife. Right? And we're giving her the commands that, that she's supposed to do. And, and, and so she stops. But she's still got the knife in her hand. And she's waving it at us. She's screaming at us. And, and she's, she's threatening us with it. And we're like, ma'am, put down the knife. And so you know, we're giving her those commands. And finally, she throws the knife down to the side. My eyes watch that knife go as she reaches back behind, pulls out a gun, and starts shooting. Well... What's my reaction? Boom, boom, you know, right? You're shooting at me, I got to shoot back. My first shot goes over her shoulder and through a window in the building behind. If this is a real-life situation, who knows what would have happened to the person in that building. Fortunately, my partner, who happened to be a woman, was much calmer, and she shot her right in the heart the screen went dead. And I was humbled. I thought that I had it all together. I thought I knew what I was doing. And in one moment, I realized that my confidence melted under fire. The scripture says, pride comes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Without Jesus Christ and without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, you are helpless against the enemy. The pressures of sin will come on you, and you will fall if you're trusting in yourself. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But sacrificing Christians do think with a measure of faith. Don't think more highly of yourself, but do think the measure of faith that God has given to you if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. There's the balance. There are two commands here, two imperatives that are given to us. Don't think more highly of yourself than you should considering your helplessness apart from the mercy and the grace of God but do think. That's the second half of the verse 3 command. It says, think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. It is God who is the one that gives you the faith to be able to stand. What Paul is saying is we need to get our heads on straight. Just as he said back in in verse 2 when he told us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, we need to, to think rightly, rightly about ourselves, rightly about the mission and ministry that God has called us to live out. You remember when we were back in Romans 6? We read this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. What is that passage saying? It's saying at one point in our lives, we were weak and helpless. We were unable to live for the glory of God, unable to carry out any kind of thought of the mission of what God is calling us to do broken in sin. But then God awakened us through the Holy Spirit, awakening faith within us that we might be able to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, have our sins forgiven, and that new power, that new life of the Spirit awakened within us so that we can now live for the glory of God. You who were dead in your rebellion against God... You who were filled with sin have now been made alive in Christ Jesus. Alive through faith in his death, which covers your sin, and in his resurrection, which gives you the power of the Holy Spirit to live. And that is what Romans 12 2 taught us last week. To be transformed by the renewing of our mind as we meditate upon the mercies and the grace of God laid out for us in chapters 1 through 11. And as we understand those truths, our lives are changed. We become children of God and we live as children of God, imitating our Father and being conformed to the image of our brother, Jesus Christ. Let that transformation of a renewal Take hold in your life. That's what Paul is saying here. To declare that you know all the truth, but if it's not changing your life, then you have not understood the gospel. God will humble those who are proud. Those who think that that they know everything. God, God will humble you. Do you remember a guy named Peter? All right. The day before, Jesus is about to be crucified. And Jesus tells the apostles that they're going to scatter. And Peter says what? Not me. I got it together. Nothing is going to shake me. I'll die with you if I have to. And Jesus just looks at him and says, Peter, Peter, Peter. Today, three times, you're going to fall. But don't worry, I prayed for you. I'm praying for you. And that, my friends, is what keeps us going in the gospel, isn't it? That we have our Savior, our brother, Jesus Christ, interceding for us. We just read or quoted that in our verses today. That he is the one who is at the right hand of God and who is interceding, or I should put word that I always forget.
0: Indeed,
1: he intercedes for us. To know that we are Peters and we will fall. We will go down into the water as symbolized there when we take our eyes off of Christ and put them on ourselves. But we have Jesus Christ, our advocate, our defense attorney who intercedes for us. But I'm not only concerned about those who, who have their, the, the, this belief that they are okay, that they are good, that they've got it all together. I'm equally concerned for those professing Christians who claim to be weak. You claim that you don't know enough of your Bible. Why not? It's not that you don't have access to it. Why not? That you've fallen to sin too easily. Why? Is your God too small, as, as Enrique prayed earlier? Is your God too small? You end up groveling on the floor when you're attacked by the enemy, our spiritual enemy. But you know what? God commissions no losers. He provided all that you need for the victory as He laid it out for us in those first 11 chapters. Through the same Holy Spirit, He gives you that same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Now how much power did that take? All the demons in the world were clustered on Jesus trying to pull Him down. All the sins and the debts of of all humanity were buried on top of Him. How much power did it take to raise Him from the dead? A lot more than it took to raise Lazarus. He'd only been dead four days. He didn't have all of that piled on top of him. But God raised Jesus from the dead. He overcame sin by raising Jesus from the dead. He overcame Satan by raising Jesus from the dead. And that's the God that Paul is talking about here in this text. With every assignment that he gives you, the Scripture says here that he is measuring out the right amount of faith that you need To stop letting that roaring lion defeat you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, the Scripture says. If you resist him in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and the assurance of faith in God our Father. Go back to... Romans chapter 8, verse 15, another one of our memory verses, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Every enemy, every enemy is too huge for you. Every enemy is a Goliath that stands before you and causes you to shake in fear and trembling. Every enemy too huge for you, but your God is too huge for every enemy. You received a mission, impossible, impossible for you. A mission that you cannot carry out the day you became a Christian. God assigned you a mission, an impossible mission. So get off your high horse if you think that you've got it all together and that you're going to be able to do it on your own. Get off that high horse because you can't do it from up here. Get down into that foxhole or you're going to be knocked off by the enemy. But once you're in that foxhole, then all of us, all of us can rise up together in Christ and go forth as a conquering army trusting in him, but let me show you why that's true. You know, we all love stories. Jesus was a master storyteller, wasn't he, with all the, the parables that he gave, and those parables weren't just kind of to, to, to make the, the, the sermon go a little bit nicer so people would listen more. They, those were what brought the reality of the message alive for the people so that they can see it as well as hear it. Well, Paul is doing the same thing for us here. So notice that to sacrifice yourself, you must learn from Paul's illustrations. We're learning from his imperatives, from his his two commands that he's given to us. Don't think more highly of yourself, but do think with sober judgment. And now we come to two illustrations that he gives us in verses 4 and 5. He says, for as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Now, in in these verses, Paul is illustrating how the Christian victory happens. There are no go-it-alone 007s. There are no, I got it, Captain Americas. And there are no Lone Ranger Wonder Woman's. No. This text shows us that there is much more to our Christian faith than that. So notice, instead, sacrificing Christians are one of many members, not isolated individuals. The good news for us is that we're not in this battle alone. We are not fighting in isolation. Paul wants you to picture the church as a body. You see it in his own words in verse four. He says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have that same function. And that's good news. It means that you and I are not in this fight alone, that there are many members, even Elijah, who thought that he was in a fight against Jezebel, the queen, all on his own, and God puts him in his place and says, no, you're not. I've got 7,000 others who haven't bowed the knee to Baal. I love what we read in in Acts chapter 2, right? We have this, this... Great sermon by Peter, and and the the preaching of that sermon, there are 3,000 people that respond and are baptized on that very first day of the the birth of the New Testament church. And then we see the New Testament church, and and they're growing spiritually together. They're growing together through the apostolic teaching. They're growing together as they fellowship together. They're growing together as they Uh, pray together, and as they commune together. And so there's this growth that's taking place with them as they continue to share the gospel with their friends and their neighbors. And here's what the scripture has to say at the end of that. It says, and the Lord added to them day by day those who were being saved. People were not being saved and then having to go off on their own. God was connecting them together. Uh, My daughter Danielle bought a uh, some kind of a a tinker toy type of of thing that had what was it, four thousand one hundred and some pieces to it. Okay, Uh, that's supposed to build up this this really like fort type of thing, right? Four thousand one hundred. 20 pieces. What's one good? One piece, good by itself? No. Every piece has to fit together and, and, and link together in order for it to become all that it needs to be. And that is the way that it is in the church. God has given us many members, but we are not isolated from one another For notice that sacrificing Christians are many members of one body. They're many members of one body. That's the second illustration. The first illustration is that you are a member. The second is that your many members are connected together into one body, united in ministry and united in motive and united in God. There is no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Oh, we got a lot of people in the United States and the church that think that they are, that think that they can go off on their own and they can do their own thing and still have a relationship with God through Christ. You know, I have a, a pet peeve that I'm going to share with you this morning. It is when worship leaders stand up in front of the congregation and the people are all gathered together and they stand up in front of the, the Congregation, and they say, Now I want you all individually to enter into personal worship with God this morning. And I feel like jumping up out of my seat and going, No! We're here together. We are to worship together. We are to sing together. We are to confess together. We are to learn together. We are the body of Christ gathered together. We're on our own too much. During the week, when we gather in the service of the Lord, let's do it together. Paul describes this in verse 5. He says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Have you ever heard the, uh, the song? I'm sure many of you have. The uh, James Weldon Johnson's Dem Bones song. Dem right. bones, them bones gonna walk around them bones, them bones gonna walk around, them bones, them bones gonna walk around Oh hear the word of the Lord The foot bone connected to the leg bone, and the leg bone connected to the knee bone, the knee bone connected to the thigh bone, the thigh bone connected to the backbone, the backbone connected to the neck bone, the neck bone connected to the head bone. Oh, hear the word of the Lord. You get the idea, right? Now, every member connected together, the body working rightly, so the foot bone can't say to the leg bone, ah, see you later, I'm off to watch my kid play soccer this morning. The backbone can't say to the neck bone, you know what, I'm feeling a bit sore today, you just go on without me. I might stand up here and preach each Sunday morning, but I couldn't do that without the sound people doing their job. We can't live stream if the tech people don't show up. Last Sunday, you may not have gotten into the church if the shovelers hadn't done their job. You can't use the bathroom. That the custodian doesn't go in with fresh paper towels and toilet paper. Just a few of the small things that have to take place in order for us to be able to have a Sunday morning worship service. But that's not all that the church is about. It's not just about Sunday morning worship services. We have outreach teams, we have the mission commission, we have short-term missions that reach out. We have deacons and deaconesses that minister within and serve the body. We have elders and teachers to train and equip the saints. We have a dozen other ministries that carry on as the church becomes the church to minister to one another and to reach out into the community and to the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone doing their part, or as the text says, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. But how do you serve the body? By presenting your bodies as a sacrifice, living, holy, and pleasing to God. Lazy Christians, selfish Christians, sinfully trapped Christians, weaken the body, weaken the body the church. So notice that to sacrifice yourself, you must live by Paul's instructions. We learned about the imperatives, the two imperatives. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but do think of yourself okay, wisely. Knowing that God has, has provided you with what you need in order to grow. we looked at the two illustrations, that you are many members each one differing from the other, each one uniquely gifted by God and and blessed by God, but connected, second illustration, as one body, as one building, joined together in Christ. But now, now we come to the how-to in verse 6. Having gifts that differ... According to the grace given to us, let us use them. You get those last words there? Let us use them, not abuse them, and not excuse them, but use them. You know, my mom used to wake our family up uh, every morning playing the trumpet at the bottom of the steps, um, and she would play every morning, Soldiers of Christ Arise, you know, to get us up, to go to school. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar with that, let me show you or sing for you those words. Soldiers of Christ, arise and put your armor on, strong in the strength which God supplies through His eternal Son, strong in the Lord of hosts, And in his mighty power, who in the strength of Jesus' trust is more than conqueror. All right. Every morning, that trumpet went off. And the soldiers went, we have to get out of bed this morning. But we did. We got up. Well, God has supplied us with all of these things through His eternal Son, strong in the Lord of hosts, in His mighty power, so that we can be more than conquerors, giving us the basic armor through faith in Jesus Christ, providing every Christian with the unique and special gifts that He alone can provide in just the right amounts for you and for me. And the partial lift of those gifts are given to us here in verses 6 to 8. But we find more spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in other places throughout the New Testament. These special gifts are to be used. So notice that sacrificing Christians serve by a ministry of grace. Today isn't the time for us to go through this list and talk to you about what each of those gifts are and how they are to be used. We have class 301 that talks about your shape and how God has shaped you, and it focuses in on the spiritual gifts that God has given. And I encourage you at some time when things uh, turn back to somewhat normal and we offer that class again for you to take that. But as we look at verses 6 to 8, I want you to see the diversity of the types of gifts that he talks about here. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Why? Because each of us are members, but we're unique members. We're made by God, specifically in the shape that He wants us to be, so that we fit together and carry out the mission in the ministry that God has called us to. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, Jesus told two parables, the parables of the talents. In each of those, one person received many talents of silver, another received few, and then the third individual received just one. In in both of the, the parables, it works out that way. And the master then goes off on this long journey, and when he comes back, he finds out that the first two individuals have doubled the amount that he's given to them, doubled the amount of those talents of silver. But the third one had buried his. And so the first two, they receive blessings from the master, but the third one gets cut off. He gets kicked out. He is no longer part of the group. These parables are here not to tell us that if you don't use the spiritual gifts that God has given to you, that God will punish you in some way. That's not the purpose of this. The purpose of those two parables is to say that if you are not using the gifts and talents that God has given to you, then you aren't part of his family. If you're not serving in Him, taking the gifts that He has given to you, then you probably never got those gifts and you probably don't belong to the family of God. If you don't present your bodies as a sacrifice unto God, then do you belong to Him? So if you are a Christian, stop making excuses. Get up out of that foxhole and start serving the King of kings and Lord of lords. Start acting like a member of the body. Join in the ministry of mission. But also notice how sacrificing Christians serve in meaningful ministry. Not only that they have a ministry of grace that's given to them, but that ministry becomes meaningful. See, it's not just enough to do things for the church. There are people who do that as well, but they don't have necessarily Christ in their heart. God looks at the heart attitude more than he does even the ministries that we're actually doing. Look again at verses 6 to 8, and we'll see that. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to faith. If service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Serve God in faith by serving with generosity and zeal cheerfully. ministry done simply as duty, dies on the vine. No one in me has ever been defeated by an army in dress uniform. You need to put on the fatigues so you can get out there and do the work. Go into battle to win the battle for the glory of God. Do it by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ, who is the captain of our souls. But you may be here today or you may be listening online and you realize that most of what I've said doesn't fit you. Maybe you've come to realize that your life is still stuck back there in that muck and mire of sin that we talked about. I'm here to tell you then that there is a power of God for your salvation, Jesus Christ wants to dig that muck out of your life. He wants to dig it out and get rid of it so that you can be forgiven and have a right relationship with God. He wants to give you a solid foundation of justification that is a right standing with God because your sins are forgiven. He wants to build from that foundation. He wants to build up those that framework of what the Bible calls sanctification. He wants you to be transformed to be changed by the power of His Spirit, and He wants you to spend eternity with Him in glorification so that you are reflecting the perfection of who God is. That's what God wants in your life. Will you acknowledge that your life is a mess without Christ? Will you turn to Him, confess your sins, ask Him to forgive you, and to give you His Spirit so that your life can be changed. And you can do that right now. You don't need a priest, you don't need a pastor to do that with you. You can come because you have one already. You have the one who is interceding before the Father and who is calling you to a relationship with Him right now. You can pray and ask Him to forgive your sin, to come into your life and change you so that you learn to love God and to love the things of God and that you will want to live with, with him and for him for all of eternity. But if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian here today, listening today, are you presenting your body as a sacrifice by serving Christ in his church? To present yourself as a sacrifice means members do ministry as mission, living out that gospel. Knowing the doctrines is important, but their foundations. Let that doctrine become real as your life is changed and as you see yourself serving God, ministering as members of one body, for the glory of God, let's pray. Father in heaven, speak to us today. Oh, that our hearts might be turned to you. It is so easy to make excuses for why we can't do this or we can't do that for your kingdom's sake. I am so thankful, Lord Jesus, that you did not make excuses from heaven when you came emptying yourself to die on a cross so that we might receive forgiveness of our sins and then rising from the dead that we might stand justified, declared right before God and receive the Holy Spirit who will change and is changing our hearts and our lives. By the grace of God, let us then Be members doing ministry, mission of the kingdom of God through your church. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We just stand as we sing our final song, which is a call for us to realize what God has done in offering his son and having offered his son, that he calls us to give an offering to him in return.